The wilderness is a place that is wild, dry, desolate, and sparsely populated, or inhabited for that matter. It is adverse to any kind of flourishing. So how do you not just survive, but how do you thrive in the desert? We're going to be talking about that today on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is a podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And today we're talking about finding wells in your wilderness. And I'm reading from the story in Genesis where, um, where basically Hagar and Sarah had this interaction. And I'll read it very quickly. Then, then Sarah, and I'll say Sarah, but her name before Sarah was Sarai. Then Sarah treated Hagar harshly, so she ran away from Sarah. The Lord's angel found Hagar near a spring of water in the desert and the spring that is along the road of Shur. He said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? And she replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Then the Lord's angel said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. He goes on to say this and just a couple more verses. I will greatly multiply your descendants. The Lord's angel added, so that they will be too numerous to count. Then the Lord's angel said to her, You are now pregnant, and you are about to give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your painful groans. Uh, then in verse 12, it says, it says this, and I'll give it to you here, I haven't, I haven't been, uh, verse 12, it says this rather, it says, he will be a wild donkey of a man. How's that for a compliment? And he will be hostile to everyone, and ev and everyone will be hostile to him. And he will live away from his brothers. And it says, So Hagar named the Lord who spoke to her, You are Elroi, the God, the God who sees me. For she said, Here I have seen the one who sees me. And what is this mouthful of stuff all about today? And let me just say this, there's some, there's a lot happening in these scriptures as we look at it. And the first thing we see is the place that God saw her, the wilderness. And that is significant because when, when you think that you're isolated, when you think that you're alone, guess what? God sees you. And the wilderness is that place, and I mean spiritual wilderness, that place that is spiritually dry, it's emotionally dry, the going is rough, and the only person there is well you and it's the place where maybe you get stuck in your head and where thorns and thistles tend to flourish in that season moses met god in the wilderness jesus was driven to the wilderness to be tested paul the apostle spent i think three years in the wilderness being uh, taught and learning things from god and so the wilderness is the place that changes the things that you thirst for it it changes the things that you crave and desire because it's the place where God breaks things off of you and he moves you away from certain things that are not healthy for you. But also we find this, we find the questions God asked her. Again, in Genesis uh, chapter 16, verse 8, it says, He said to Hagar, servant of Sarah, and I keep saying Sarah because that, that was her later later name, where have you come from and where are you going to? And she replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. And so what is she doing? She's running away from something. And these are journey questions. God's question to Adam and Eve in the garden was, where are you? 
where, where are you guys, right? God's question to Elijah when he fled Jezebel was, why are you here? In other words, you don't belong here. Why are you here right now? And that's what happens when God asks us these questions in our, in our desert. What are you running from? Why, why are you escaping from that situation? Journey questions can be something like this. Where is your life headed? What direction are you headed? Are you going in? Why are you going? Uh, why are you going there? And and wh what are you running from? And so the whole underlying story of the Bible, really, is about people recovering their identity as God's original creation, right? Because when we run, we kind of lose our identity. We forget who we are. Then changing their journey from what they were running from to who they're running to, which is God and His purposes, right? So. Being in the desert resets your journey. But also we find this about, and just further observations, the location God told her to go. We find that that uh, God told her to go back to the difficult place, right? He, he said it. He said, go back to, go back to your mistress, you know, your boss basically, and submit to her. And Hagar was to return to the place she had run from back to a cruel boss who made her life basically a living hell. And so, and this is, I say this barring no physical or mental abuse, that sometimes God calls us to go back to these hard places that maybe we're not happy with. Going back to that difficult job or that family situation that is challenging or the marriage that is difficult. In the West, sometimes we, we tend to put our rights over our responsibilities and we tend to say, well, I'm not taking this because it offends my pride, sense of pride. But if you're a believer in Jesus and God and, and you're going through a hard, hardship, God may be saying, hey, go back to that because I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to bring something awesome through it. Go and submit to it. So blessings and growth never happen by running away from places. But then we find what God told Hagar to do, right? The thing he told her to do, submit. Boy, that's like a four-letter word in our culture and in Western culture in general because we don't submit to anybody, right? Ever since, you know, when the English had the Magna Carta where it says, you know, the king doesn't make the law, the law makes the king. It's like, wow, man, hey, we're, we're in charge of our own life now. But when you're a Christian, your life belongs to God. And what he tells you to do, you have to obey it. Again, I, I say barring any physical abuse or any emotional, you know, hardship that someone may really put on you. Um, I'm saying that because sometimes what we think is hard is not what God thinks is hard, right? Um, but Genesis 6, 8 says, Then the Lord's angel said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Wow, that's a mouthful. Submission. That's a hard word for us, for any of us, right? And we find that that barring no physical or mental abuse, submission is the test of maturity and obedience to God. When God tells you to sub submit to a situation that doesn't necessarily bring you gratitude or make you happy right away, and we find that desert experiences break the self-will in us. It says in, in the book of Romans, it says, because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God, for it is God for it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. I read that because it is in the desert that, that our flesh is exposed, that God kind of looks at the ugly parts of us and says, I want to deal with that. 
there's rebellion in you, there's anger in you, there's bitterness in you. I want to deal with that. I want, I want to I want to fix that because it's not it's not doing any good for you. And then we find the book of James that talks about that submission is required to get anything of spiritual value done. It says, submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. So let's say you're having a, a fight in your heart against the devil where he's trying to tempt you or test you or, or discourage you. You can't fight him unless you are in submission to God. So submission is a big issue. But we also find in, in, this, in this whole account the reason God told her to do it, why God told her to go back. And it says it right in, in verse 10. It says, I will greatly multiply your descendants. The Lord's angel added, so that they will be too numerous to count. So God doesn't tell us to submit to make us miserable and to make us people that just are awful, you know, just feel awful. He does it because he has a purpose, and often that purpose has a blessing on the other side of it. In this case, she was going to have descendants that were going to be too numerous to mention. So sometimes because we are so invested in the emotion of now, we don't think that God is actually thinking future with what we're going through. Hagar's future and the future of generations were bound up in the choice she was about to make, whether she was going to keep running or go back and submit. And God wanted her and her descendants to prosper. So he said, go back, man. If you want them to be blessed and prosper, go back. We find in the story of Jacob and Esau, two brothers, that in a fit of, of bodily craving, which was hunger, Esau gave gave up his birthright to his brother Jacob and said, hey, I'll sell it to you. I'm just hungry. Just pay, just, just pay me with food. And, and we can easily do that in a fit of emotion. We can make these rash decisions that have nothing to do with our destiny in God. But here's one more thing I want to mention, and we're almost going to, going to you know, finish this up here in, in a minute here. But the greater blessing in her wilderness were two things that happened in Hagar's wilderness that are beautiful. The first was Ishmael. Ishmael literally mean, means God hears. And it says, Then the Lord's angel told her, You are now pregnant and are about to give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your painful groans. Think about the promise of God bound up in that name of Ishmael. God hears. It means God listens. God pays heed. So in the desert, the greatest thing she found wasn't just her future, but it was the idea that God hears her prayers. He hears her groans at night. He hears the weeping, and He hears her sobs and her pains and her complaining, and God was not oblivious to it. But one more thing that, that she saw, which was a, a great blessing, was El-Roi. El-Roi means God sees. So Hagar named the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. For she said, Here I have seen the one who sees me. What an amazing thing that, that Hagar uh, has been described as the first theologian because theology is about, uh, about what we think about God. And she was thinking about God, so she gave God a name. And the name was Eroi because she said, What I have looked here for the one who looks for me here was the last place in the world she expected to find god the desert yet that's where god showed up to meet her and we find that god doesn't just see you but he looks out for you especially in the places that we run to so if you like this podcast i want you to leave a like and recommend it to somebody we want to grow it and be blessed today know that 
that God wants you not just to navigate and just survive your wilderness, but he wants you to thrive in that wilderness so that you find your El Roi and, and, and you find not only your El Roi, but, but your Ishmael in that desert and you find the one who gives you a future. So till next time, God bless you and so glad to be with you. Take care. 